Blog Talk Radio. Hani Shalati. Hani Shalati.
God, we're grateful. Because if it had not been for you, we would not be here. We opened our eyes this morning, God. Because you gave us the strength to open our eyes. We were able to rise because you gave us strength. And our limbs and the facilities of our body. We were able to get here, God, because you blessed us and brought us the way of safety and did not allow harm to come to us, Lord. We're grateful to again come into your presence because we know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And as we come before you today, have your way, Lord. Let flesh be crucified that you might be glorified, that your people might be edified in the name of Jesus. For God in you is life. And that's what we seek, God. Life. Eternal life, God. We pray, O oh God, today that you will touch every person that have come seeking you, Lord. Bind the hand of the devil, God. Rebuke the hand of the enemy, Lord. God, let your anointing that resonates in this place even now. God, let there be an outpouring on your people. We need you, God, to take us to another level in you, Lord. God, we're faced with demonic forces, God. Evil spirits have come up against us, Lord. And we need to be fortified with your power. God, we can't make it on our own strength, God. We don't have enough to stand on, Lord. But we know, God, that your joy is our strength. Fill us up on today in the name of Jesus. Somebody have come this morning burdened down, God, with the issues of life, God. Somebody, God, is in the battle of their life. Somebody's, God, fighting in their mind and in their spirit, Lord. Where the devil have come in to war against them, Lord. But we thank you, God, because we know greater are you that's within us than he that is within this world, God. We know, God, that you are a deliverer, Lord, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you're no short of your promise, Lord, and you're able to deliver us, Lord. Touch us on today, Lord. We need you like never before. Fill us up with the Holy Ghost, God, and give us a refilling, Lord, that when we leave here today, Lord, huh? we can leave with your anointing, Lord, huh? that as we meet men and women, boys and girls, huh? they might be converted to know who you are, Lord. Huh? In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Huh? We thank you because you are a healer. Huh? You're the God that healeth thee, huh? and healing is in your wings, huh? and you're able to touch our feeble bodies. Huh? You're able to save our troubled souls, huh? and in the name of Jesus, huh? bind every demon, Lord, huh? every demonic force, Lord. Huh? God, that comes to keep us uh, in the same place, Lord. Uh, we're willing, God, to surrender uh, and say yes to your will, Lord. Uh, we're willing to turn our lives, God, uh, over into your hands, Lord. Uh, because we come to the place, God, uh, where we realize like never before, uh, we need you, Jesus. Uh, more than anything we know, uh, we need you, Jesus. Uh, while men are trying to find, God, uh, solutions to this chaotic world, God, uh, we're looking to you. 
you, Lord, because we know for every right desire there is an answer. And Jesus, you're that answer. There's no need for us, God, to turn hither or thither, Lord. We need but to look for you, Lord, because you're the answer, God, for our trouble lies, Lord. Touch on the day, God. Break every yoke, oh God. Save on the day, God. Deliver on the day, God. Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We're crying out to you, Lord. We know that you're able to save our souls. We know that you're able, God, to heal our bodies, Jesus. We know that you're able, God, to turn our situations around. Jesus, no other help we know. No other help we know. No other help we know, God. You're able, Jesus, to deliver our children. You're able, Jesus, to save the unsaved husband. You're able, Jesus, to heal the cancer patient. Nothing too hard for you, Jesus. No other God we know. We know that you're able, Jesus. We know that you're able, Jesus. We say yes to your will, God. Yes to your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. And we'll thank you for it. And we'll give your name the praise. And we'll bless you, Lord. Yes, we thank you, Lord. And we bless your holy name. Come on, open your mouth and give the Lord some praise. A young woman with a rare disorder who fought back against the online bullies. I knew deep down I was not going to let those people become the definition of who I was meant to be. Plus the miraculous story of a mother's faith and her child's resurrection. Joyce and John Smith join us live on today's 700 Club Interactive. Well, if you could use a smile or two, we've got a few stories to bring that to your face today. Absolutely. Over 46 million viewers have seen six-year-old Lauren Patterson mm. rock out to Zach Williams' <laughs> song, Old Church Choir. I love this little girl. Watch her get her groove on in church. <laughs> Singing in my love her. I mean, how awesome is she? She's, she's living proof of the line, there ain't nothing going to steal my joy. And she's showing you nothing's going to steal her joy. You know, I just could imagine how much fun Jesus had just watching you know? her worship him. I mean, how great is that, that we should all be so, so open with our worship Absolutely. and so totally consumed with it. I love beautiful, her. Beautiful. Well, here's another showstopper. This one happened during a pep rally at Lake Mary High School in Florida. The school principal is 49-year-old Dr. Donna Mickey Reynolds. She surprised the crowd when she joined her high school step team in the middle of the performance.
I knew that God could heal, but I didn't think he would heal me. Out of everyone, I didn't think he wanted to do it for me. I served in the mission field in Guatemala for um, a month. Uh, after I came back from the field, from the mission field, I was I was worried about um, my health because I was not eating well in Guatemala. So I was like, I should go to the doctor just to check to see if everything is in order. So when I go to the doctor, they see that there's a hormone that is elevated in my blood work, which is called the prolactin hormone. And the doctor told me that there's it's usually like it's elevated in people, and there's nothing to worry about, and it's in one in a million chance that there's a brain tumor so I was like okay it's all good but we should still go in for an MRI just to check to see what's happening so I went in for an MRI and um, it turns out that I actually did have a brain tumor and I was like okay I trust in the Lord like whatever he wants he's not gonna let me die and so as I was just waiting for appointments to open I could I would call different doctors when no one would just um, no one would give me any appointments and then um, I serve as a missionary in uh, Mexico uh, every month. I go back and forth, and um, I went back one. La I was like, I'm gonna go back one last time. I'm gonna serve the Lord, and I'm gonna I'm gonna preach the word to people. So I go back to Mexico, and as I was just uh, serving the people, we always go with the same group of doctors. But that month there was a new person. So I was like, oh, I wonder who this is. And it turned out that she was she worked with a doctor who had just moved from uh, who moved here from Johns Hopkins University. So I come back to Tucson and this uh, friend of mine she's texting me and she's like, well, you know, I'm a friends with the, I'm friends with him and I already got you an appointment. All you have to do is to go in because there was a last minute cancellation. They're open, and I go in and then the doctor tells me it's all good. I'm not going to lose my eyesight. And the initial initially the doctor told me that I was going to lose my eyesight. And during this time I was having like vision issues. And so, but this new doctor told me that everything was going to be okay. He put me on a medication, um, bromocryptin, just to make sure that the tumor shrinks. And the medication is specifically for the shrinkage of the tumor. And, um, and the medication had such adverse side effects. I would sleep too much. I couldn't eat. I couldn't read the Bible. And it was just terrible. I couldn't walk. I was always dizzy. And eight months later, I'm, I go back to the doctor. They do blood work again. And they tell me that um, the hormone is still elevated, even more than before, that the medication had no effect and it wasn't really working. I was crying and stuff, but I was like, I'm going to trust the Lord. I know what he's capable of doing. I go to Phoenix, um, to Mesa, to Two Rivers Church for a prayer room, and they pray over me. My whole family prays over me. I knew that God could heal, but I didn't think he would heal me out of everyone. I didn't think he wanted to do it for me. A day later, I go to the MRI, and I was just so sad, and I felt so distant from God, and I just could not feel his presence that whole day, and it was just such heaviness on my spirit. And then the next day I woke up and I felt like something had just changed. And I looked on my phone and my email and it showed that their MRI results were done. And I click on it and then it said that there was nothing there. And I was just praising and worshiping the Lord. Just He does such a big miracle in my life and he's capable of doing that in everyone else's life. He's not a man that he should lie. So every promise in the Bible is for every single kid that the Lord has, every single child of God. We should always stand on those promises and trust that he will do what he has said he's going to do. I was had just turned 30.
I was working as a juvenile probation officer. Um, I was uh, I was married. I uh, had a little three-year-old girl. Uh, I was training for my second marathon. I was playing ultimate frisbee, and uh, I'd been living in Austin for a while, just uh, trying to accept the fact that I'd officially gotten old and turned 30. And I was at a coworker's birthday party on um, the 5th of November of 2010. I, I always say, remember, remember the 5th of November. All of a sudden I couldn't read the menu. And that's the last thing I remember. And apparently a little while later, I, I woke up and there's an EMT above me. And she says, you had a grand mal seizure. We need to go to the hospital. I'm like, you need to calm down. <laughs> She's like, that's like the fourth or fifth time we've had this conversation. And we would get in the ambulance finally. I, I finally conceded. And uh, it was the most expensive taxi ride of my life. It was two miles. and uh, um, But then we got there. And the ER doctor said most people will... Uh, about a fifth of the human population will have a seizure at some point in their life. I didn't know that. But a huge percentage of them, we don't find out why, because it's a one-time occurrence. It may be heat exhaustion or just something misfires. Or we're going to do a CAT scan and see what we can figure out. So I'm like, okay. Um, that's how I just, I mean, between kindergarten and college, I had missed five days of school for the chicken pox. In the entirety of my work career, I started working full-time when I was 14. I had never called in sick. And so I thought maybe it was just some kind of injury. I didn't know what it would be. But after the CAT scan, they come in. They're like, well, something is showing. We're going to do an MRI. And I'm like, okay. And uh, it hadn't quite hit me yet. And we do the MRI, and we get back. And a doctor says, well, something is showing in your MRI. We're going to need to admit you. And my best friend had been there earlier, and but he had left to go get my car because they told me I wasn't going to be able to drive it, and he was going to, we'd coordinated somebody driving my car home. And when they told me that I had an IV in my arm, I, I ripped it out, and I walked out of the hospital. And he, he happened to be coming back in. He's like, where are you going? I was like, I'm, I'm leaving. And he's like, did they say you could leave? I'm like, no, but I'm leaving. And he, he walked me back in. And then they admitted me. This had all started over lunch. And by the time I got into a, through all these tests and proper hospital room, it was like five-ish. Five five. And, but I wouldn't get to see a neurosurgeon until about nine o'clock that night. And he shows me the MRI and says, I think you have some kind of brain tumor. Um, I don't know what it is, but I think it's some kind of brain tumor. And he looks at the MRI, and I'm like, well, rub some dirt in it, man. And he looks at me, and he looks back at the MRI, and he looks at me. He's like, and if you look here, <laughs> he, did, he didn't know what to say. And um, Unfortunately, because this was a Friday afternoon, he said, this isn't considered an emergency procedure. So we can't do the biopsy till Monday. I'm like, well, can I leave and just come back Monday? And somebody explained that it would be more expensive because of two different hospital admissions and because I had to stay in the hospital. 
So Saturday, I just sat around. Friends came by. We played some board games. We played a poker game. So we, you know, by Sunday, I was tired of just sitting around. And so I asked the doctor if I could go running. And he says, well, nobody's ever asked that before. And he's like, I'm going to have to check. And he made arrangements to where I was supposed to just stay on the hospital grounds. And just, I mean, it was a huge block and run around. And I had a friend who was an EMT who was going to run with me. And there was a nurse at the front. And we were supposed to check in after every, after every turn around the block. After a couple of times, I'm like, you know, we're going to be out here a while. Um, you can go back in. We've got a cell phone with us. He's an EMT. And I think she, she was bored just sitting there. So she went back up. And as soon as she did, I actually ran off the hospital ground. And, uh, you know, unless my insurance was listening, then I was at the hospital the whole time. And, <laughs> the, um, and I, we would cover the beginning of the Austin Marathon course. And he, he didn't know. He was like, what are you doing? But he stayed with me, and we got back. And... You know, I got some advice. It was a biopsy, and what was said was that, you know, as, as brain surgery goes, this is minor. There's no such thing as minor brain surgery. So the biopsy ha happened right before Veterans Day, and um, then I got out of the hospital the day after Veterans Day. Somehow there was some confusion, so I ended up being there an extra day longer than I was supposed to. And the results were supposed to take just a few days, but they sent them to John Hopkins for a second opinion, and then the neurosurgeon only had office days once a week. And on the day I was supposed to go get him, go get them from him, they they took the staples out, um, but the doctor had been called in for an emergency surgery, and the nurse assistant, I'm not sure, the the person at the office. I can't, I can't give you the results. I'm like, you have them? I'm like, yes, but the doctor has to be the one that tells you that. And because it was around Thanksgiving, it would be the better part of a month before I'd get the biopsy results. And so that was uh, no fun. I kept joking around that, well, the suspense is killing me, but if something's killing me, it's probably not the suspense. So when the results finally came in, you know, they told me I had, I had brain cancer. Uh, uh, grade two diffuse astrocytoma, and that it was in my left temporal lobe near the memory and language centers. And we were going to do some more tests to. This is something that is going to seem like a complete 180 from all of the things that I've been talking about on my YouTube, on my TikTok, and on all social media platforms for so long. And it's ha very hard to say. And I never thought in a million years that I would be saying what I am about to say. So if you are familiar with me, with some of the stuff that I post, over the years I've been talking about Law of Attraction manifestation, spirituality. And I want to be clear that during this whole time, I always had good intentions and thought that I knew the way and I was doing something good. But recently, and I want to say about like maybe it's been like a couple of months now, I've been 
going back and forth with this. And only up until, I want to say, like, this past month, I finally accepted that, first of all, manifestation, law of attraction, it all works. But the more I keep doing or, or the more I kept doing it, the more I kept manifesting more, the more I kept doing more meditations, I was just feeling more and more of a void within me. The manifestations aren't fulfilling me. You get one thing, you want the next thing. The meditations start to become unbearable with anxiety and this feeling of, am I doing it right? Am I not doing it right? Am I on a higher vibration? Am I in a low vibration? What am I thinking? What did I say? Why did this happen? And trying to have an explanation for why everything manifested in my life or occurred in my life, good or bad. And at a certain point, I started to realize it's just driving me crazy and it's not really the way. It's not the way. And then I realized, and again, you have to understand, I never thought that I would say this. But I now found that Jesus Christ, God, is the way. I found more peace now, praying again, reading the Bible again. And I just can't explain it. It felt like I was being drawn back to this place of building a relationship again with God, with Jesus Christ. And like I said, I feel a lot more at peace now. But also at the same time, I feel like a, a sorrow because I know that I'm going to have to keep asking to be forgiven and to try to stay close with Him. And I'm not trying to do like a 180 on anyone who's been subscribed to me, who's been following me. But... I don't know, I just can't help this feeling that I've been feeling. So, a couple of months ago, I went to the hospital because I was feeling chest pain. And they ran all tests on me. And, you know, everything came back fine. And they just didn't really have anything to say to me. They just couldn't explain what I was feeling. But I felt it. And in that moment, in the hospital, I didn't look to visualize my way into being healthy or try to manifest my way into being healthy. The only thing I can think of was to pray. And since then, I still continued after being at the hospital to, like, be into law of attraction, manifest, try hard, uh, try to fix everything. But I still kept feeling drawn more to the Bible, to pray more. Feeling like Jesus is around me, feeling like God is trying to speak to me. And tell me that I was being deceived in a way. And again, 
trust me, if you're into law of attraction, manifestation, all that stuff, whenever I heard people try to preach to me about God and Jesus, I didn't straight up deny it, but I was like, oh, they're, they're crazy. They're crazy. No, they don't know. And I didn't really understand. But at the same time, I was manifesting these things, and I wasn't giving credit to God, to Jesus Christ. I was scared to say, God and Jesus Christ, like, this is who brings all of these things. I was scared to give credit, which is so foolish of me. And, um, just trying to collect my thoughts here. I'm just trying to find where I'm at. Um... You know, I was trying to take the credit for everything, trying to think that what I was being taught or what I studied or learned was that I was the God of my universe in a way, and that I worked with the universe in order to bring about these manifestations. And some of the manifestations came true, but you know what? They didn't last. They had no substance. The things that I prayed for, which occasionally I would pray, I would beg, pray, maybe like a couple times a year. The things that I prayed for eventually happened, and they lasted. They're built on a stronger foundation, it feels like. It was His will. It was always His way. He wasn't going to make it happen instantaneously for me like I thought manifestation should work. He needed to do whatever he needed to do to make it so for me. Not everything, but the things that were right for me. So now, from now on, I'm only going to ask for what's right for me. I'm going to delete all of the videos that I made previously on Law of Attraction and Manifestation. Um, and I'm just going to accept whatever he deems good for me. I'm not praying to him, asking him for anything, because I don't need anything anymore, because those things don't make me feel good. Only Jesus does, literally. And it, again, it's, it's crazy that I'm saying these things. I never would have thought in a million years I would have said these things. But I guess this is that millionth year. Believe it or not. And again, if you follow me, if you're subscribed to me, I never <clears throat> felt like I was doing anything bad. I didn't mean to mislead anyone. Your journey is your journey. You have every right to follow your journey. I just know that this is where I need to go now. This is what I need to do. Build that relationship with God. Build that relationship with Jesus Christ now. And try to live a better life. The way that He wants me to live. The way that He will guide me to live and I can feel now when I'm talking on this video that all the words that I'm saying are coming from a place of truth and it's so much easier for me to talk whereas in the past when I'm talking about law of attraction manifestation I'm trying to spew out things that I've learned that worked a little bit for me um, and it was just so hard to get these words out there but it just feels like I'm having an honest conversation you know, and I hope that everyone who has watched my videos in the past, you know, understands 
where I'm coming from. I'm not forcing anything on you. I'm not. I'm just telling you where I am. You know, a couple of years ago, I had a vision when I was like in meditation. I closed my eyes and I saw in blue electric light the face of Jesus Christ when I closed my eyes. And I was like, wow. That was amazing. I couldn't explain it. But then I put it off to the side. Like, why would I do that? I was like, he's just one of many things in this world. There's so much more to the universe. And no, he's the only way. And at least for me, and at least for people who believe in it. And again, I'm not forcing it on you if you don't believe in him. You know, you have your journey. But that's what I saw. Last night, I've been praying a lot recently. Last night, I go to close my eyes to go to sleep. And I see a vision again of him like standing on a mountain looking down and I was standing right behind him I'm not saying that again I'm not saying I'm clairvoyant or I'm seeing anything I maybe he's speaking to me trying to show me now where I was wrong I never also I never said that I I never claimed in any of my past videos that I was seeing anything or like having visions or channeling anything I never read tarot cards. I never went to psychics. I never believed in spells. I only believed in what you think will become a reality. And that's basically what I was talking about in the videos. If you don't know my past videos. And like I said, I'm going to delete them so you might never see them. Um, what up? There's just so much to do. There's so much catching up that I have to do with him in prayer. Figure out where I'm going to go from here. Because now... It's just like, I couldn't see, now I can see. Um, and man, there's just so much more to think, so much more to do. So, I guess I just felt. Much power in the blood. Oh, 
that God could heal, but I didn't think He would heal me. Out of everyone, I didn't think He wanted to do it for me. I served in the mission field in Guatemala for um, a month. Uh, after I came back from the field, from the mission field, I was I was worried about um, my health because I was not eating well in Guatemala. So I was like, I should go to the doctor just to check to see if everything is in order. So when I go to the doctor, they see that there's a hormone that is elevated in my blood work, which is called the prolactin hormone. And the doctor told me that there's usually like it's elevated in people and there's nothing to worry about. And it's in one in a million chance that there's a brain tumor. So I was like, okay, it's all good, but we should still go in for an MRI just to check to see what's happening. So I went in for an MRI and um, it turns out that I actually did have a brain tumor. And I was like, okay, I trust in the Lord, like whatever he wants, he's not going to let me die. And so as I was just waiting for appointments to open, I, could, I would call different doctors when no one would just, um, no one would give me any appointments. And then um, I serve as a missionary in uh, Mexico uh, every month. I go back and forth and um, I went back one, la I was like, I'm going to go back one last time. I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to, I'm going to preach the word to people. So I go back to Mexico and as I was just uh, serving the people, we always go with the same group of doctors. But that month there was a new person. So I was like, oh, I wonder who this is. And it turned out that she was she worked with a doctor who had just moved from uh, who moved here from Johns Hopkins University. So I come back to Tucson and this uh, friend of mine she's texting me and she's like, well, you know, I'm a friends with the, I'm friends with him and I already got you an appointment. All you have to do is to go in because there was I was had just turned 30. I was working as a juvenile probation officer. Um, I was uh, I was married. I had a little three-year-old girl. Uh, I was training for my second marathon. I was playing ultimate frisbee, and uh, I'd been living in Austin for a while, just uh, trying to accept the fact that I'd officially gotten old and turned 30. And I was at a coworker's birthday. When Adrian was five months and a half, the nurse advised us to start feeding him baby food, just to 
to start the transition to solid food and to try out if he could even sleep better. He didn't respond well. He was in a lot of pain. He was screaming all through the night and all through the day. Um, he was sweating profusely. His clothes were soaked and he was spastic from the pain. My husband Thomas and I would take turns comforting him and, and carrying him all through the night. And each one of us could take maximum of, of 30 minutes. Uh, and then we would have to switch. Uh, you try to do everything for him, but you can't take away the pain. When they put him on IV nutrition, within two days he was pain-free. And we realized that many of his symptoms were, were related to his digestive system. And through years we stayed like 80 to 120 days a year in the hospital. He was very sick, so we expected him to die several times. My cries to God were, did you forget us? Are you busy somewhere? I would cry until I had no tears left. And there in the silence afterwards, he would come. We could very much feel his presence. I was upset to God because why? Why should I get a sick son and, and so sick? Of course I was crying out to God and shouting to him. Uh, I think God is big enough to take my expression. His muscles would get weaker and then they would disappear. So he had some kind of progressive muscular disease, although we didn't know what caused it. He had epilepsy, he had tachycardia, he had a lot of problems that caused him to grow very, very weak. And at the age of 11, our doctor said, you've talked about going on a trip, just creating memories for you as a family to live on after he's gone. Now is your window of opportunity. Next year, he probably won't be able to. And we knew next year we might not have him. We couldn't go to the, to the beach because of Adrian. We couldn't play in the sand. We couldn't go to a Disney park because he was too weak to go to everything. And he just had to look at them, and that was not fun for him. And we thought, well, we'd like to go to a conference, like a church conference. And that might sound weird, but we had never been able to go anywhere. But we thought, so what if we go to Bethel Church? Our kids just love their music. When we got to Bethel, Adrian leaned over and he said to me, Mom, now I know that whatever God has for me, that's what I want. I knew he wants the best for me. And that was just great. Um, and then we, we went to a, a breakout session on, on healing. And at the end, they said, does anyone need a miracle? And he raised his hand and a young man stood next to Adrian. And he said, so what's wrong with you? And Adrian said, I can't eat. And he just prayed for Adrian, praying for new life in his stomach and, and his digestive system. And, and off we went. And I asked Adrian, so did you sense anything? Did you feel any different? And I said, no, but it was a good experience. So for lunch, we went to a restaurant nearby because we, we just needed to eat before the next session. And we all ordered and Adrian said, can I have the breadstick to play with? And usually at home, we would always give him food on his plate for him to, to cut to pieces and to smell and just to be a part of the meal, basically. 
And all of a sudden, Adrian said, can I have another one? And we said, no, you already have one. And he said, not anymore. Yeah, I just ate it. I, it just happened. I have no idea why. I have no idea how it tasted. I don't remember. All I remember is uh, my dad looked on his face when I told him. He was shocked and a little bit terrified. Will he be sick or is it get healed or how will this go? Just tiny, tiny amounts of watermelon that contains a lot of water was enough to, to make him very sick. So just the idea of him eating a breadstick, it was like, it was, it was unimaginable. So my husband and I started talking. Now what do we do? Do we take him to a hospital? And we thought, no, there's, it's no use. They don't know him here, you know. It's just too complicated to begin to explain everything. And we thought, well, we'll just have to observe. And he went to bed and everything was normal and we recognized something was different, but we didn't know what. The next morning I tiptoed into his room to see if he was still alive. And I, I looked over in his bed and Thomas came and stood next to me. And there he was sleeping, rosy cheeked, and, and he was just fine. I woke up with my mom over me and I'm asked, when is breakfast? And it was just amazing. His healing didn't come with a manual. We didn't know how to do this. But honestly, we just couldn't stop him. He would eat everything. He would have burgers and fries and salads and, and pizzas and, and ice cream and everything. You know, it was just impossible to stop him. I had 12 years to catch up on. Within days from when he was healed, the muscles started growing back. He was changing right before our very eyes. When we came back to Norway, Adrian's doctors are saying, this cannot be explained medically. His physiotherapist says, this is a miracle from God. It just can't be anything else. It's a very strange feeling. When you have been through so many years, we're expecting him, he could die. And now he has the possibility to to grow up, to get a family and to get... Everything is possible for him now. That is amazing. I remember the very moment I was in the car and, and I realized that Adrian would have a future. And he had been healed for quite some time, but it, it just hit me that he will have a future. And I was just so grateful. You know, all those prayers that we prayed throughout Adrian's life and his, his illness, I firmly believe that those kept him alive. He wasn't healed, but God kept him in his hand. I believe in the power of prayer, and I believe in the power of God. I think nothing is impossible for God. Healing is on the Lord's heart. You know, that is, it is who he is. He's the creator, the life giver the healer. I used to think that I know that God can heal, but I don't know if he wants to. And now I know he wants to. And he wants you to know that he wants to. He, he wants to heal our disease. Now listen to what Miriam said. 
in the silence afterwards. Here she would pour out her complaint, all her argument with God. You're not running the universe right for me today. You're not healing instantly. You're not doing all of those things. And then she would cry her eyes out. And then in the silence following, his presence would show up. For Adrian, it was something as simple as raising his hand. He's in a church conference. Does anybody here want prayer? And he just raises his hand. Yeah, I'd like some prayer. And someone comes over, doesn't know the medical history, doesn't know, doesn't know Adrian. And, and how can I pray for you? Well, I have trouble eating. And so then a very simple prayer, you know, prayed for his digestion. And nothing happens. And, and we're always looking for angels to show up with golden scrolls or fire to be written across the sky. Seemingly nothing happens. But then Adrian goes to a restaurant, by mistake, eats a breadstick, then goes to sleep. His parents are petrified. His mother tiptoes into the room expecting him to be dead. But no, something amazing has happened. A miracle has happened in the silence, in the sleep. Let that happen for you today. Today, let's go boldly to the throne of grace. And will you go to that throne with us? We, we like to think of some giant throne room. The throne of grace is another word for the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat on top of that ark. And that's the place where the blood would be sprinkled by the high priest. The blood of Jesus has been sprinkled for you. Let's go, go boldly to that. Let's go to that mercy seat, that throne of grace, and realize we don't have to bargain. We don't have to argue. We just have to receive. Let's do that, and let's do that right now. Lord, we come to you, and we put aside all of our argument, all of our complaint, all of our bargaining. And, Lord, we just come to your grace, to your mercy seat, to your blood that was shed for us. We come to that. And we ask that you would help our unbelief. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Give us the faith that we need to believe for miracles. And now stretch forth your mighty hand to heal, to deliver, and to set free. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Terry, God's giving you something. Yes, someone you've been working um, with, someone in the dental area, your jaw is all out of alignment, and the, the processes that are being suggested to you are not just epic in magnitude, but money. And so today's your day. God's healing that. You're just going to begin to feel a warmth come into your jaw, and it's, it's all moving into place. You're not going to have any of those processes done. Oh, there are many people, you're crying out, please say digestive issues. And so for you, I'm saying that. And whether it's irritable bowel or celiac or any of the names they have for it, there's even one where... Curiously, your own immune system seems to be at war in your small intestine and large intestine, and you can't digest properly. There's huge amounts of pain, and it's just caused you so much suffering. In Jesus' name, be healed 
and be set free. Someone else with chronic migraines, not just headaches, but migraines that just shift all over your head. It's not just one location. God's healing that for you right now. The cause of that is being healed. You'll not have them again in Jesus' name. There's someone else begging, please say Crohn's disease. So for you, I'm saying Crohn's. And this is especially for Sally. May you be healed now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you've been touched by God, give, give us a call, 1-800-700-7000. Hello, I'm Gordon Robertson. Thanks for watching the video. Be sure to like, subscribe.
This is a topic that there's a lot of different opinions in the body of Christ. It's like, should I take this? Should I not take this? But here's where it becomes bad. I have a prophetic message from God to share with you about prescription drugs. So this is going to be a, a prophecy, and it's also going to be a warning But there's going to be some prophetic teaching here because there's some teaching that the Lord gave me about this topic. And I believe this is a topic, the the idea of pharmaceuticals, prescription drugs, you know, and medications, things like that. This is a topic that there's a lot of different opinions in the body of Christ. And there's actually a lot in Scripture that has to do with this idea, you know, and I'm going to be sharing some of that today. But I believe if we can find God's heart for this kind of stuff, if if we can see scripturally what God's heart is we have um, uh, we we can then take on a much better perspective when it comes to even making specific decisions like should I take this should I not take this that kind of thing so this is actually a prophecy I got from the Holy Spirit um, back on August 24th and and I actually saw a vision along with this so I'm going to be sharing that so I actually saw these these thousands of white pills they were they were hard and they were like semi-flat on two of the sides. What I saw was there was hundreds of these in this large metal dispenser machine, as if it was at a factory, and it was about to load this, these pills and bottles. 
And then I saw as there was these little black spiders or bugs running around in the machines with the pills. And when I see this kind of thing, y'all, in a vision, I immediately know it's representing the demonic, okay? And so what I'm about to share, there may be some potential for the devil to be able to come in and bring condemnation uh, with what I'm sharing, but here's, you, you need to hear my heart. That is not my heart, and it's not the Holy Spirit's heart either. Condemnation is not from God, but conviction is from the Holy Spirit. But conviction is, is so amazing because it's, it, it feels like, if I could describe it this way, it's like a friend who you can, you can trust and you love and you know they love you, like grabbing your hand and saying, no, it's dangerous to walk out in the street. Come on. You know, like, uh, it's like, that's the feeling. It's like, come on, let's come over here where it's safer. That, that's what conviction is like, whereas condemnation is, is just hopeless and it, it's not a good place to be and it's from the enemy. So uh, that's my encouragement is don't listen to uh, the condemnation of the enemy. Um, but this, this is what I heard the Holy Spirit say, okay? I heard the Lord say, it all depends on how you take it. What I saw in this vision may be specifically referring to a specific drug that's coming out at some point. You know, I don't know. Yes or no, I don't know. But I do know he's, uh, he's also generally speaking about prescription drugs, uh, you know, in general as well. So this is what I heard him say next. If fear is swallowed when you swallow that pill, then you've injected something from the enemy, something foreign to the kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, okay? And then he said, but if you take something out of faith and with a clear conscience, you have nothing to worry about. I'm going to say that again. If you take something out of faith and with a clear conscience, you have nothing to worry about. And so here's my caveat. I'm going to keep sharing what the Lord shared. Here's my caveat here, though. With every prophetic word that I share or anyone else shares, if you have any um, concern about it at all or questions at all, please don't just take it right off the bat, but take it to the Holy Spirit in prayer. You need to let the Holy Spirit confirm prophetic messages. Why? Because the Word says we should test them. You know, we should hang on to what's good and d discard what's not, right? And so you should, you should test it and see and say, Holy Spirit, is this really from you? And then read the Word and see if it lines up with the Word as well. If it doesn't line up with the Word, you can immediately discard it. But then if the Holy Spirit on top of that says, no, they missed me on this or this is not from me, you know, it doesn't matter who's sharing it. Don't listen to it. You know, listen to the Holy Spirit first and listen to the Word first. So uh, that's my caveat. You know, that's my quote-unquote disclaimer, whatever you want to call it. But at the same time, y'all, you know, just so you know how I, how I typically minister, I, I don't write these words down unless I am in the glory of God when I'm hearing them. Most of the time, you know, I am experiencing that it's like the presence of God, the power of the Holy Spirit comes over me, and he starts to just like speak this word to me. You know, so a lot of times it's very confirmed to me in the moment, or God is able to confirm it other ways as well. Through, through other things that he does, signs and wonders and things like that. So, I, you know, <laughs> I'm just letting you all know, like, my heart is not to just be flippant about prophecy. Like, that is not where I'm coming from. I take it very seriously, but at the same time, I also uh, do not want you, you know, as, as anybody is listening to me, uh, I don't want you to be in a place where you trust the word of a, a person just because they've been right before over what the Holy Spirit is saying. So, this is what I heard next from the Holy Spirit. He said, just listen to my voice and see what I have to say, says the Lord. Some I will say are okay. Most are a no because they are not needed. So I'm going to read that full uh, paragraph together. But if you take something out of faith and with a clear conscience, you have nothing to worry about. Just listen to my voice and see what I have to say, says the Lord. Some I will say are okay, but most are a no because most are not needed. 
So now I'm going to jump back and share what I heard right before I saw that vision, but I felt like I was supposed to share it right here. This is what I heard. I heard the Lord say, easy. It's easy in the glory. Walking by faith makes things easy when you realize whose hands you're resting in and when you surrender completely to his plan and will. And this is so true, y'all. I've experienced this in my own life, and you see this all through Scripture. When, when people stop striving and stop trying to make things work on their own, and, and they stop trusting in, uh, in vain idols and ideologies and th- the things of the world. You know, like Gideon, for instance, he, he had to go from a place of trusting in how many people he had to trusting in God completely. And he still went to battle with, I think God narrowed down his army to like 300 people or something. It was, he was like far outnumbered. And yet he decided he was either going to trust God or there was, there was nothing else that he was going to put his hope in, right? And that's where we need to be. When we're in the glory of God daily and we're, and we're in that intimate place with Jesus, we're abiding with him on a daily basis. You know, when we're hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, we're being led by that rhema word, you know, in our spirits, but also we're staying in the written word of God and we're, and we're letting that logos word be our foundation, y'all. Then we're in this place where the Holy Spirit can speak clearly and if the answer's no, he's going he's gonna to tell us. He's going to warn us. And I believe there are some cases where something in and of itself is evil and we should always stay away from it. You know, like, uh, here's an example, like uh, items that people use, uh, you know, for doing like rituals, witchcraft, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, like those things are probably always bad. You probably always need to stay away from it. And, and here's the amazing thing about uh, walking with the Holy Spirit is if you accidentally stumble across something like that where it's always bad, the Holy Spirit's going to warn you. You know, he's going to say, nope, this is not good, or whatever it may be. And the same applies to taking medication, prescription drugs, that kind of thing. With the Holy Spirit, what I heard him say here is if you take something out of faith and with a clear conscience, you have nothing to worry about. But then at the same time, we need to listen to his voice and see what he has to say, right? Because he may warn us. He may say, no, that's not good, right? Okay, so this is, uh, the, these are the verses God gave me, y'all. And I'm super excited about sharing these because I believe God is going to be breaking off uh, shame and condemnation off of some people, but he's also going to be setting other people free from dependence upon things they shouldn't be dependent upon, okay? So this is, uh, uh, this is actually Psalm uh, 27.3, okay? It says, If an army encamps against me, my heart will not fear. If war arises against me, in spite of this, I am confident. So I want you to see this here, that the, the writer of this psalm is confident despite what's happening around them. Okay, and this is what I believe God wants us to, to, where he wants us to be as his people, confident despite what's going on in our physical bodies, what's going on, you know, in, in our, uh, our, our minds, even sometimes, you know, what's going on around us and our family, whatever it may be. And here's what I believe can happen. We, we, we go into a place of fear, worry, anxiety, and then because we want to get out of that place, we see that thing, like that drug, for instance, whatever it may be, and we start to put our hope in that thing because we think that is going to deliver me, that's going to help me, that's going to be the thing you know, that, that fixes this problem, and it's not wrong to necessarily use that thing, but it is wrong to put our hope in that thing. And this is what I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to show us today. This is Psalm 115.4. It says, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. It's talking about idolatry here. This is what can happen. Prescription drugs and things like that can so easily become idols in our lives, and we can so easily go into idolatry with these things. Uh, So look at this, verse 8 through 11. Those who make them will, will become like them, everyone who trusts 
in them. You see the problem there with, with these things? It is that these people are trusting in them instead of trusting in God. Verse 9, Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. So there's two points being made here. The first one is we should not fear when we are walking through um, issues, even issues in our physical bodies. You know, like, like hey, how am I going to fix this problem? The devil's going to try to use that as an opportunity to bring fear into our hearts, and we need to say, no, the only person I fear is God himself. I'm not even going to be afraid of death itself. Why? Because my, my fear is result, reserved for God, and that's a healthy fear. That, that is a desire to please God. That's a desire to never lose his friendship, to never lose his love, you know, to never hurt his heart. Like It's, it's a healthy uh, version of fear, and, and if you actually want to hear some teaching on that, I, I encourage you to go listen to uh, Timothy Keller. He's, he's somebody that I've heard preach about the fear of God from a very biblical but healthy perspective. Um, and there's a lot of other people that have done a really good job as well. So that's the first problem. You know, the devil will try to bring that fear in, but then he will bring in a quote-unquote deliverer. If we're not going to bow to fear, he's going to try to get us to bow to trusting in something else, right? And saying, okay, I don't want to be afraid of this. I want to get out of this, so I'm going to trust in this thing over here. And that is where the problem occurs. So Jesus actually addresses this same subject in Matthew 15, starting in verse 2. So it actually says, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? And this is uh, the religious leaders asking this question to Jesus. For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. So this is a tradition they had. And the, listen, these are the same people that were, uh, were saying to Jesus, Hey, uh, you must be casting out demons by the ruler of the demons, right? They thought Jesus was demon-possessed. And so these same people that were accusing him of being you know, demon-possessed were also accusing him of not following all these little religious traditions that they had. And, and this, this is what I'm going to submit to you, is the idea that they, they probably thought these things were connected, right? Like, like if you would just do all of these religious traditions, then you wouldn't have this problem you know, with demons, right? Um, but obviously Jesus didn't have a problem with demons. He's casting out demons left and right. They were the ones that had problems with religious spirits. And, and so verse 10, Jesus actually replies, and he says, it says, After Jesus called the crowd to him, he said to them, Hear and understand, it is not what enters the mouth that defiles the person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles the person. So if you apply this to something like prescription drugs, you could say it's not what enters the mouth that defiles a person, but it, it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. And then he, he goes deeper here and he says, verse 17, Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is eliminated? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and those things defile the person. For out of the mouth come evil thoughts, murders, acts of adultery, other immoral sexual acts, thefts, false testimonies and slanderous statements. These are the things that defile the person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the person. So if you've been around for a little while, you've probably seen the videos of like, you know, deliverance ministry happening online um, from a lot of different people that are sharing those kind of things. And one of the things I've noticed is sometimes in those types of videos, 
I mean, I think it's really amazing that people are getting delivered from demons, that people are getting set free, that they're able to walk in the freedom that Jesus has won for them. You know, but one of the things I've noticed is sometimes, uh, you know, the person, while they're getting delivered, you know, sometimes they'll, they'll say, this is the reason why, you know, I was able to have access to this person, right? Like the, that the demon, this is where the door was open for that demonic spirit. And sometimes they'll point to specific things, you know, and I think what's happened is when something like that happens, number one, we need to realize demons like to lie a lot. So, you know, bear that in mind. But at the same time, uh, under the weight of God's glory in the situation, I think sometimes it's difficult for them to do that. But here's my point. Just because something was an open door for somebody and a demon was able to enter their, their life through that thing does not mean that that same thing is an open door for everyone. And here's the reason why. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, say all these things are great. Please hear my heart here, okay? The reason I'm saying this is not to try to make a defense for things that, you know, commonly open doors. The reason I'm saying this is to say, stop being afraid of every little thing in your life and thinking that, you know, oh, if I accidentally, uh, you know, do this or accidentally do that, I'm going to open a door. That is the very thing that Satan is trying to get us to do. He's trying to get us to this point where we're just so afraid that the fear itself becomes the open door. That's what happens, okay? But getting back to this idea of idolatry, this is why something becomes an open door sometimes. Something that wasn't innately bad, can become an open door when it becomes an idol in our hearts. And when in our hearts we say, this is the thing I'm trusting in to help me. And that's why things like prescription drugs can so easily become something that uh, does open the door to the enemy is because a lot of times we'll put our hope in that thing and say, this is the thing that's going to fix my life. And the only person that deserves that place in our hearts is Jesus himself. And when we say, no, I'm not bowing down to fear any longer, and I'm not bowing down to uh, a false deliverer any longer. I'm only going to bow down to Jesus Christ the same way that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said to the king, you can throw us in the fiery furnace. We will literally lose our lives, but we will not bow down to something other than our God. That is where God wants us to be as his people. And when we are in that place, we're going to be walking in the freedom that Jesus has already won for us on the cross. So I want to read one more passage that I believe also um, uh, preaches to this same idea, okay? This is 1 Corinthians 8. This is the Apostle Paul writing, starting in verse 7. However, not all people have this knowledge, but some, being accustomed to the idol until now, eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. So the context here is that there's this meat that's being sold You'll have to go do some more research because I didn't do a lot of research here, but there's this meat that's being sold that culturally they knew was being sacrificed to, to demons or to idols, right? And, and ultimately demons because, you know, these idols were not real gods. Paul just finished making that point that these are not real gods. They're just statues or whatever. They can't do anything for you, and the only thing behind them is going to be demonic, right? But then this is what he says. He says, now food will not bring us close to God, we are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do eat. So he's saying this food in and of itself is not innately bad, and it's not going to hurt our relationship with God or help it in and of itself, right? But what he's talking about is the problem of the idol that's behind it, okay? Verse 9, but take care that this freedom of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. So now he's saying you actually have the freedom in Christ to eat this, especially, for instance, maybe, maybe they're in a city where all of the food right, that was available uh, would have fallen into this category, and it's like the only thing they could have eaten. You know, that's, that's one reason Paul may have said this. So that's, that's me speaking, not the Holy Spirit, but 
I'm just giving you a practical example. But what he's saying is you have freedom in Christ to eat this thing. Why? Because he's saying this thing in and of itself is not innately bad to, to consume. But here's where it becomes bad. He says if their conscience is weak when they eat it, that means they don't eat it from a place of faith, then it becomes defiled, and it defiles them. Why? Because of what's actually coming out of their heart, which is that fear motivation of like, I'm eating this, but I, I, I know it's wrong. When you're in that place, here's my encouragement to you. If you're in that place, don't do the thing. <laughs> don't do it, you know, from that place. Especially if it's conviction from the Holy Spirit, just listen to the Holy Spirit and obey Him, and, and, and don't, you know, partake in something, right? But even if you're in that place where you're just wondering, and you're saying, I just don't know, and you don't feel right about it, don't do it unless the Holy Spirit gives you the okay, or else you're going to be in this place where your conscience is being defiled by this action. And the other thing Paul warns us about here is he says, For through your knowledge the one who is weak is ruined, the brother or sister for whose sake Christ died. So this is one last warning here, is that we need to be very careful. When we are practicing things based on the freedom that we have in Jesus, we need to be extremely careful that we are not wounding the consciences of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that we, especially people who are looking at something as evil, Paul also says in another place, don't let what's, what's good for you be spoken of as evil by someone else. He's talking about other believers. So we do not need to be in this place where we're saying, hey, this is what I do. Everybody else needs to do it. No, because we're going to be wounding consciences, you know, and we're actually going to be causing a stumbling block for, for other believers. So to sum up, I want to reread what the Holy Spirit shared with me. He said, easy. It's easy in the glory. He's talking about that, that intimate place with Jesus, you know, where you, you literally are experiencing his presence daily. You're hearing his voice. You're in step with what he's doing. He says, walking by faith makes things easy when you realize whose hands you're resting in and when you surrender completely to his plan and his will. That means I'm not surrendering, you know, uh, to fear, and I am not resting in something in this life. I'm not trusting in something in this life. I am going to surrender to my God only. I'm going to walk in the fear of the Lord, but I'm also going to trust in the Lord with my whole heart. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to figure everything out on my own. I am either going to be walking in victory, trusting in my God, or this ship is going to be going down, and I'm going to stay trusting in my God the entire time. Right, Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what's amazing about that is when you're in that place, man, for them, Jesus showed up with them in the fiery furnace. And I believe God wants to do the same thing for you today. When we are in that place, the Holy Spirit is the one who speaks to our hearts. And he not only helps us to walk in the freedom that Christ has won for us, but he also brings that comfort and that, that conviction, yes, and also that uh, the knowledge and, and the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, every single thing that we need when we need it, the Holy Spirit is able to bring those things in. And he's the friend that never leaves us. He's right there with us when we are walking through the, the water, when we're passing through the fire. You know, he is right there and he never leaves us. And that is just such an amazing place to be. So I hope this has been an encouraging message. I encourage you to subscribe to this channel if you haven't subscribed on YouTube. Or if you're watching this on Facebook, please follow this uh, Facebook page for more videos like this. I love you all so much, and I'll see you next time.
With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.